coming up in this episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. Dogs in Alaska demonstrate moments of brilliant and not so brilliant behavior, leading them to get into some dangerous situations, but nothing really bad happens to them, so you don't have to worry about any dogs being harmed. I, I can see the puppy under the clear ice oh my as gosh. if he was floating in space. <laughs> just kind of almost, uh, he just looked like he was floating peacefully in space under this sheet of ice. Did he look upset or No, anything? he didn't. He looked peaceful and happy. <laughs> I remember that vividly. First up, a couple watches in horror as their new puppy disappears through a hole in the river ice. And another couple can't decide if it's safe to keep hiking up a mountain, so they consult with their dog. We were really? we were talking about it. Like I don't know if we should go on any further because the dog is concerned. Well, well, the, the dog was the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> dog sense. Up next on Dark Winter Nights: True Stories from Alaska. I'm Rob Prince. In February 2014, Betsy Jacobs and her partner Nathan were embarking on a new exciting phase of their lives, training service dogs. Here's Betsy. My partner Nathan and I started a nonprofit organization training service dogs here locally. It no longer exists, but this was at the very beginning of our journey, and we had acquired our first puppy to be trained as a service dog for someone locally. Was this like a dream of yours? Yeah. That, okay, for a long time. So finally, you're you're doing it, right? Yeah, we've got this puppy, wonderful little guy we had to pay $2,000 for. Oh my gosh. That's what I thought. <laughs> why did you, why were you willing to do that? Well, we were educated from by a service dog uh, school, and they informed us that the research shows that a full-bred retriever from a reputable breeder who does early neurological stimulation type things with the puppies is the best way to set yourself up for success. So we purchased one of these very fancy dogs. And was the plan that you would give it away when you were done? The plan was that we would train it um, to do tasks for someone who has physical disabilities, like turning on the lights, opening the refrigerator, bringing you various items. Um, and place the dog with someone who has a disability, whether it's a physical disability or not. We were going to train the 100 commands for this dog over the course of two years. Wow. So tell me about this dog. What was its, what is its name? What, His what? name is Phineas, and okay. he's an uh, English cream golden retriever. Very fancy. Um, wh it's all white. Beautiful little guy. And, um, you know, he's a cute puppy. He shows up. Uh, at the airport, there's a volunteer organization that transports service dogs in training to their site where they'll be trained. So he arrived at the Fairbanks airport and just a fluffiest little cuddliest little guy. And we he was just so promising. We had high hopes for this guy. Super smart, real quick to learn. And this is like two weeks after we acquired this little guy. We, we uh, embarked on a vacation. We, we rented a cabin off of Chena Hot Springs Road, and we had the weekend planned. We, have, we had two pet dogs that are our own house dogs and little Phineas 
in training with us. And the first thing we do is go inside and make a fire, warm things up a little bit and get settled, bring our gear in. And the cabin was on the Chena River. And in this particular winter, it had been warm a couple of weeks earlier, like I think unseasonably warm. If I remember, it was something like in the 30s above. Wow. wow, yeah. And it had gotten cold again, but at the same time, we did want to go out on the river and check out the safety of the river. We had brought our skis just in case we could ski on the river. And so we just wanted to go check it out with the dogs and make sure that everything was safe. So we head out there and we noticed evidence of ice fishing holes and things and people's footprints all out on the river. And that gave us a little sense of safety. And we're out there hanging out, really enjoying the beauty of the day. That low sunlight, pink, orange sky, peaceful, quiet, gorgeous. And the dogs are exploring around. And we're practicing the recall with little Phineas. And he's coming back every time we call, like a good puppy. We throw him a treat. Off he runs. All of a sudden, Phineas starts running away from us, maybe 100, 200 yards. And I'm calling, Phineas, come. (laughs) Well, I don't know if he hears me or not, but he continues forward. And we did notice, um, as he was running away from us, a dark stripe across the river. So Nathan and I start running toward Phineas because he's off on his own, not listening. So we're running toward Phineas, and all of a sudden, Phineas approaches that dark line and disappears. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what was going through your mind when you you saw him just gone? All I could think of was he was going to be carried out under the ice to wherever the Chena River will dump him eventually. And that was the last we were ever going to see of this puppy. (laughs) Um, I remember Nathan running toward that dark stripe and he was approaching it and I was behind him a, a good distance and I could see him dip down toward the dark stripe and up stands Nathan and I see him start running again along that dark strip. So apparently he didn't get the puppy. So I just keep running around him, trying to get ahead of him, just in case he misses the puppy again. So I can see Nathan kneel down again, trying to get that puppy. And again, he pops up. So I'm approaching the dark strip, and I can actually see now where Nathan was. And I can see a sheet of clear ice, and then there's an opening in front of me. And as I'm running, I, I can see the puppy under the clear ice oh my as gosh. if he was floating in space, <laughs> just kind of almost, uh, he just looked like he was floating peacefully in space under this sheet of ice. Did he look upset? Or no, anything? he didn't. He looked peaceful and happy. <laughs> I remember that vividly. But the next thing I know, I um, just saw stars. I had taken a dive forward and knocked my chin on the ice. I could see stars, I could see blood, and I could see my hand reaching in front of me into the water, and I could see my hand plucking this puppy's 
a harness. Thank God he was wearing a harness because it goes across his back. Right. And I could grab the harness and I actually picked this puppy up out of the frozen water. But it, well, it was like... You, you weren't even doing this consciously. No, this I wasn't. An, oh, my gosh. I could this see an, my hand Oh, oh my gosh. I, may, I don't know if I had a concussion or what, but I literally was... I was seeing stars like in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. So I pluck the puppy up, and I pull him to my chest, and I'm... He's whining, and I can hear this primal wailing scream that I didn't realize was coming out of my own mouth. I was absolutely mortified by this experience. Just even talking about it, I'm shaking right now. I bundle the puppy up, and I'm crying, and I'm walking. Blood is dripping down my face. Nathan comes over, gives me a big hug, and we carefully walk back to the cabin, the warm cabin. The puppy's crying. We, I jump in the bunk with the puppy, blood dripping down my face. And Nathan asked me if I want to go back to town because I was clearly very upset. And I said, no, let's just stay. And so a little bit later, I'm sitting at the picnic table inside the cabin with Nathan and realizing that there is a hole in my chin. Oh, my gosh. Um, but still, I didn't want to go back to town. Why not? I don't know. I must have been in shock or something. Yeah, was it like you just needed to process this a I minute? I think so. Be in a safe place to kind of settle before yep. you get back in the car. Even yeah. though you're open, you have an open wound, a hole in your chin. We you... had Jack Daniels, so. <laughs> Dr. Jack, Dr. Jack Daniels there. But how could you drink with a hole in your chin? I know. I figured it out. <laughs> when you're determined... <laughs> What? How did you figure it out? What did you do? You just hold your hand across your I chin? I did, yep. Oh, my gosh. And we did have Band-Aids, so yeah. I put a Band-Aid over it. and You know, I did, at the time, I didn't actually realize there was a hole going through my entire chin. Oh. But as it turned out, I had to go to the doctor a couple of days later, and it, there was a hole through my entire chin. My tooth had poked a hole in my chin when I hit. Oh. Anyway, we're sitting at the ping table, and a few minutes later... Phineas is on a, on the bed in a curled up in a blanket. A few minutes later, he jumps off the bed and starts terrorizing the pet dog. <laughs> so he was no worse for wear. <laughs> and we stayed the rest of the weekend. Had a great time. <laughs> but we kept him on a leash. <laughs> the spring after this story had happened, I remember the first time Phineas actually saw a puddle. Because when he got here, it was winter. Mm-hmm. There was no water anywhere. It was mm-hmm. all ice and snow. The first puddle he ever saw, and I remember he hesitated and he wouldn't go near it. And I wondered <laughs> if he kind of remembered. <laughs> it took a while before he would get in the water. I bet. And so where did he end up going? He didn't quite make it as a service dog oh. um, due to his own temperament he was a little skittish of certain things and a service dog has to be pretty bomb proof um but he did uh end up moving to delta he lives in a wonderful home with a family who loves him he has uh about 12 acres out in delta he's the happiest happy as can be as a pet he just loves his life is he anywhere near water right now no good 
<laughs> He's not. <laughs> I don't know how all of the things in the universe happened where this dog actually was able to be rescued, but it's like a slim chance, I think, of that happening once an animal falls into an open lead. How did yeah. that even happen? Why was he still tracking along the open area where you could see? Why didn't he just go under right. snow-covered ice and disappear? Exactly. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> Everything was... The universe worked in our favor, definitely. But we felt very, very fortunate to have it end this way. Betsy Jacobs. This is Dark Winter Nights, true stories from Alaska. The Dog Sense episode. I'm Rob Prince. In April 2016, Seth and Jenny were newly married and excited to try out backcountry skiing together. So on a relatively warm, perfectly clear day, they left Fairbanks and drove the two-plus hours down to Kastner Glacier in Delta to ski down a mountain called Rumdoodle, along with their dog Murphy. They set up camp at the base of the mountain and began their climb up Rumdoodle, but the snow conditions led to some disagreement between them about whether or not it was safe to continue. It was about 30 degrees out and the sun was shining bright on the mountain, making for conditions that can lead to an avalanche. Here's Seth. We were distracting ourselves by like our interpersonal like uh, communication. Is that sort of clouding your judgment a little bit too? Does it, does it become, come into a like, I'm, I'm right rather than what's safe? I think that we were crossing that barrier mm -hmm. it, it, big time. And it was, and it was, directly reflective of like her and in in my like just communication in the moment mm -hmm. absolutely it was distracting us completely we were not we were not giving the mountain the respect it deserves in those moments mm -hmm. and, and and a lot of times i mean and i i'm certainly to blame for some of that but it, it wasn't it's not really uncommon sometimes though for the, the two of us and the way we interact that like that I would be that person for other things anyway. Right. So some of that was like normal. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, I, we've reflected on this a lot. And that's a, a very uh, real observation that we've had is we were like getting getting consumed by our own dynamics and, and stepping right. away from. The... Besides the packs, you were hauling a little bit of marital baggage up the hill with you too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Which is sure, normal, like which the is relationship why I think people stuff. should have kids because you need a, a tiebreaker. <laughs> sure. You need like a third party to be like, break this tie. I vote for go. She votes for stay. <laughs> That's know? probably why like like <laughs> the actions of, of Murphy still stand out. Is oh, because like we the did. The dog was the tiebreaker. Even the dog was like not like like dragging behind us. Sometimes the dog is up walking in front of us or yeah. at least next to us. And she was like behind us. And when we when we crossed that real large kind of open area, mm -hmm. uh, Murphy 
Murphy didn't even want to walk across it. She was staying back. Like we did a wow. switch back, so we like turned. <laughs> so she was hanging back. And like, she didn't come. I'm gonna wait and see how this yeah. goes. Before. We had to like, come on, come on, come on. Wow. And you don't want to sit there and just wait. You want to just kind of like, yeah, keep moving. Let's get over here to this safe spot or uh-huh. safer looking spot over, you know, across this little patch of open, uh, exposed area. Right. You don't want to hang out there. You don't want to hang out there and be in an argument. <laughs> So it's kind of like, let's just go get to this spot and, and then we can, then we'll talk, we'll talk more. Did the fact that the dog was reluctant to follow you enter yeah. in the debate at all? It did. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Yep. Jenny was talking about it. We were, really? we were talking about it. Like, I don't know if we should go on any further. Because the dog is concerned? Well, well, the, the dog was the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man we were just picking up on like you know it's (laughs) using your own like uh observations is obviously like the wisest and right but you still you can't help but feel like i'm getting it's a sign right and especially on reflection it it was maybe a a very big sign Mm -hmm. um but we did we still walked or hiked uh across that whole uh, exposed area. So, so, so you convinced Jenny at when you once you reached this safe area and sort of reevaluated the situation, mm-hmm. you were able to convince her. Let's keep trying. Let's keep yeah. a little bit further. Yeah, we're climbing. We got to that that little rocky knoll. It was a little flatter area. We were we were no longer on the uh, exposed slope. I started going up first. I started kind of ascending the hill a bit more, and I took three or four steps. I was maybe five to 10 feet above where I started. In this chunk of snow around my feet, maybe like five or six feet wide, like not massive, but like big enough, it all just fell out from my feet and broke off uh, from where it was, you know, in the snow. And uh, caused, it wasn't, it it just, it was just this this little slab just broke off right around me and it fell right back to where where we started. And that was the turning point. That <laughs> I bet. that was the like, okay, nope, I'm done. We're not going any farther. Like that, that sent me into a state of like, all right, you're right. Let's turn around and get out of here. This is crazy. And I think Jenny felt relieved at that point. She was like, okay, good. Let's do this. Um, finally, Seth is like turning a corner mentally and letting this go (laughs) come back to earth now come back down now we can go back so at that point we knew this is like it was a clear signal to get out and we didn't want to like try snowboarding down the slope at all we wanted to just go the way we came and figured that was our safest path okay um so we did we started to jenny started out and she started hiking back down the way we came she must have gone 10 yards at most. And, th- and then that's when we heard the snow settling beneath our feet, uh, which caused the, a really loud whomping noise. Can you, I've, I've heard other people who experienced yeah. this try to make the sound. Can you try and mimic it? Yeah. It, it's, it was thunderous. It was really? like, and it was, it was like, it was like, it was crazy. It was like, it's like multiple faint, multiple locations Is it locations like anything happening. you've ever heard before? That was, it was. You know, I've heard people talk about it, kind of yeah. like you just mentioned. Yeah. And and I've heard like smaller. Oh, it, okay. You'll hear it like sometimes if you're just out skiing or whatever, or mm-hmm. just, even in just in your backyard, you'll hear like a, 
You'll yeah. just see the snow kind of like settle and in an area of it will just sink. Yeah. And you'll hear like a womp, like a little womp. And, but this was like, oh, that's it. That's the big, that's the scary womp that people talk about. And it was happening and, and we looked and we heard it obviously. And I'm, I yelled Jenny like, stop, 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 stop. Don't go another step. And we saw like around our feet, these like cracks were shooting out. It oh my god. Mind you, I was still on that flatter area. Right. Um, she was a little bit more exposed, which is why I was like, don't move another inch. And she turns around to look at me. And then I as she's looking at me, okay, so now she's looking back at me. I'm standing at the on the flatter area, and, and behind her is the slope that we we crossed, that we're about to cross again. I see over her shoulder this mass of snow coming down. And and I was like Oh, my like mouth probably was wide open and she doesn't know that I'm seeing this happen behind her yet. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, don't move. Like, come here. Like, come back, come back, come back. And she's like, what, what, what? I mean, she heard the whomping, but still I was, I was like, just get over here. I, before I, I, I just don't even turn around. Just come on. And then she, she walked back to the flat area back toward where I was. Um, and then she was able to turn around and, and, and look and observe what was happening. And, sh- and sure enough, the, the whole slope was, an av- it was avalanching, right? We were watching it and it was eerily quiet. I, this, this actual snow coming down was oddly quiet. It got, it got a little bit louder as it grew because as it, was, as it was going down the hill, it was just pulling other snow into it and it was just fanning out and, and growing quite wide. We triggered it. I believe we did trigger it, um, but it released, it released actually above us and started there and, and came down. We, we were kind of on that flatter area, so we were sort of off the slope, and we weren't in direct danger of getting hit from the avalanche, but it came down uh, all over the path that we were getting ready to hike, and we were just dumbfounded and scared <laughs> and stuck then. Then we were stuck in this spot. We were like, what are we going to do now? How much more would you have had to hike oh, to man. have been in? If you had gone like five minutes, we would have been, would have been what, in it. You would have been. How how far would you have had to hike before it would have been over? Uh, twenty or thirty yards. It was really? close. It so was, you uh, were minutes away oh, we from were, being right in that spot. Absolutely. Yeah. We, it was crazy. Where was Murphy in all of this? She was with us at at that flatter area. Okay. And she um. So when the avalanche occurred, there was like this snow, like a snowball, like a piece of the avalanche that went flying off to the side down into this area of like still like fresh snow mm-hmm. that ended up not avalanching. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, this, it turned into, you know, this little ball of snow went down that slope and she decided to just go chasing after it. Oh. So she ran down onto this remaining area section of snow that hadn't avalanched mm-hmm. and it just scared us to death because we thought oh my god murphy we were yelling at her like no 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 don't do that um but she did it and she ran after the after that snowball and, and so yeah it does kind of contradict the whole like <laughs> her credibility her takes cred- a bit of a drop yeah <laughs> but yeah. you can't fight instincts to chase you, you know can't. That, that'll overcome just about exactly. any exactly all your smarts so all right so now exactly. you're now you're standing there in a spot, you you feel okay in this spot you're at, that you're relatively safe there or not? Relatively safe. Only because we were we were not, like, 
clearly in a like a path of where an avalanche would go mm-hmm. unless it came from above us some other way right that you couldn't really see or something so we felt we were in a safe spot to to, to think for a moment and and get our wits but we were still extremely concerned about getting back down and how we're going to get back how are we gonna, how are we going to get to the bottom of this hill now which you uh, have no i mean you can't stay where you are no and, we, and it, but you also are risking your life to go back where you need to be yeah. So you're kind of like on this exactly. island with a bunch of sharks between you yeah. and shore. It was very like, <laughs> it really like brings you to the moment. And it was scary. I mean, and it, that's a good way to put it. it. It was kind of like the path forward was not clear. I mean, it was, we were scared and and didn't know what to do. And we had to think about it. And, and we went over ideas because a part of you thinks the safest place to be now is to go back where the avalanche went. It's already gone. So maybe if we can just get there, we, then we can just kind of ski down the hill and be done with it. Um, but we still had to, cr- we would have had to have crossed that remaining exposed area, which, which we ultimately decided not to do. And mind you, Murphy's already at the bottom of the hill. She, <laughs> she's already, but still it was scary. Cause it was like, she's down there waiting. She's looking up at us. Like, what are we, what are you guys doing? You know? So we felt urgency, but we also wanted to not be, uh, too impulsive to to just, to just go. We ended up just sort of like shimmying down sideways from where we were on on the flatter area. We kind of just, we assumed it was a little bit more raised up and out of a flow path. It was still sketchy. Uh, and scary and we took our we took very soft steps um, and and I went first and I just sort of started going down sideways and just sort of shimmying down the hill tried to walk real gently you know like like real slow (laughs) kind of yeah yeah it reminds me of when I was a kid and you get a layer of ice over the snow and you try and walk as light as you can so you don't break through so you're just like (laughs) thinking that like light as a feather light as a feather like exactly You know, we're kind of going down sideways. I think it probably took us 20 minutes, maybe 20, 25 minutes to get down it. It wasn't that far, but it was still agonizing and felt like it took forever. We got to the bottom of the hill and and then you can kind of turn and, and we just skied out the final little bit. And then we like relaxed for a few minutes Wow. Um, and, and just decompressed and you can just shed some of that stress and and just like, you know, we stared at the mountain for like an hour. I swear. Really? I, I was just staring at it. Like, I can't believe that it just happened. Wow. And we, we got out and, and it was incredible. We hugged each other, you know, and congratulate each other for surviving that ordeal. And Murphy too. I mean, Murphy was fine. We were all fine. And we were able to consider just going to sleep, you know, just getting, we can get in our tent and cook dinner now. But we didn't do that. We decided, I'm done with all this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna burn these skis. Like, what are, and go home. <laughs> I am done. We were over. We were. We were, we were like. We were like over it. We were like, I don't care anymore. We're not gonna climb. We're not sleep. We're not gonna climb this mountain tomorrow. No way. Like, no, who cares now? Like, we had over. We already had the most exhilarating, scary experience. Got through it. Um, and now we had the option to go home 
and, and that was what we decided to do. We, we packed up our campsite and we hiked all the way back out to our car and, and, and got back to Fairbanks. I recall we were back in time to watch Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was a Saturday. <laughs> I don't remember who was hosting. You're like, I'm sure we got home and just like probably fell asleep in, like, in, in no time. We're so tired, you know? Right. The rum doodle. We call it the dude. <laughs> the dude. It's supposed to be an easy one. <laughs> Seth Robinson. Thanks for listening to the Dog Sense episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Rob Prince. Story consultation by Lori Neufeld. Remember, these are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince. <laughs>